kind of the of the story of the day of Pentecost. Uh, it's the story that began, we celebrated with Pentecost a few weeks ago, with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter, the apostle, preaches under the power of the Spirit to thousands of people. And this is the story of what happens. We'll start reading in verse 41, and we'll read through verse 47. So I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. So those who welcomed his message, this was Peter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So a few weeks ago, we celebrated the day of Pentecost. Now, that's a word, it's a churchy word. Maybe you don't know it. Of course, Pentecost referred to an old Jewish feast. But when we talk about Pentecost in the church, we're talking about the amazing day where God proved his promise that we would never be alone. And he sent the Holy Spirit uh, to the apostles and believers one day in Jerusalem. So they could have the power to live the Christian life and they could be empowered to go and reach the world to let them know the great good news of Jesus. What a great day. It's a powerful day that we celebrate. But here's the deal. You know how sometimes we get so wrapped up and busy that we'll celebrate something and then we'll move on real quick? You know, it's Christmas and we have Christmas and then, oh, we've got to go to the next thing. Uh, Pentecost is not a day that we celebrate one time. It's not just actually something we celebrate because it happened. We celebrate because it started an era, an era that we live in. It began a new thing with the Spirit of God being present with the believers in Christ, empowering us to live the Christian life, to grow in holiness, and to be in ministry to all the world. And so we celebrate that what happened that day is what's continuing to happen to us. And that's a neat thing to remember, uh, because sometimes the thing that happens helps us become who we need to be. The Spirit of God came and is in the church and also has come and been in your life, and it leads us to become something other than what we are. We don't celebrate the Pentecost Day and just say, hey, that happened. We celebrate and remember because it also helps us remember that because that happened, the Spirit of God is helping us become something new. That's why we remember uh, the words of our communion prayer that say, God, by your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Because when something starts, doesn't mean we're done with it. There's more to do. There's more to become. It's like I told you last week. Uh, I became a parent when Jackson was born some 11 years ago. you're, You're an old man now, son. I became a parent that day, but my goodness, we are still learning to be parents. We're becoming 
parents. Amanda and I were uh, uh, married, and I have to say this again this week because I finally remembered the exact date we were married. I messed it up last week publicly in front of my wife. Luckily, she didn't make me sleep on the couch. We were married in December of 2005. We became husband and wife. But we're learning still. We're becoming a couple. We're becoming one flesh. I'm becoming, learning to become a husband. You see, it's something that we grow into. And because the Spirit of God has come into our lives, the Spirit helps us to become what God has us to be. And that prayer we pray at the communion table, I know some of you, when we pray those prayers at the communion table, because we read them out of a book, you're like, I ain't going to pay attention to this. Let's hurry up and get to my snack. Um, But do pay attention. It's not a snack, Keaton. No, I'm just playing. You know this. You're laughing. But uh, pay attention because we say, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. And so each week, starting last week, we're going to take one of those phrases and, and celebrate the work that the Holy Spirit works in us. So today, we're talking about the Spirit making us one with each other. One with each other. So I read an article, I think it was a couple days ago, maybe yesterday, I was reading this article. It was Tom Hanks had done an interview. I love Tom Hanks. He's a neat guy. Like, he's a good actor, I think. He's one of those known commodities. His work, in my opinion, is solid enough that any time a movie comes out, it's got Tom Hanks in it. I think, this could be a pretty good movie. I like it. I'm going to like it. So Tom Hanks was doing this interview because he uh, just wrapped up uh, and opened Toy Story 4. Uh, that's a movie. He plays the voice of the little wooden cowboy or toy cowboy, Woody. Uh, and he's done it for years. When did the first movie come out? Like uh, years ago. And so the four of them have come out. I haven't seen the fourth one yet, uh, partially because all the other ones made me cry and remember all the pain of past or whatever. Uh, it's apparently a great movie. But the interview uh, talked about Tom Hanks felt really sad, finally having to hang up his hat as Woody the cowboy in Toy Story. I think he's a great, uh, a great actor. It reminded me when I read that of one of the movies because we were preparing for this message. One of my favorite Tom Hanks movies that just proved how strong an actor he is, in my opinion. It's the movie Castaway. Do you all remember this movie? I'm not going to spoil it because some of you haven't seen it yet. And I get yelled at every time. Preacher, you spoil all the movies. Well, it came out in 1910. It's your fault. Uh, so really, uh, it's a long movie, and most of the movie is just Tom Hanks by himself stranded on an island. Like, you have to be strong to pull this off. Um, so the story goes, he works for FedEx, I think is what it is, some delivery company. It's FedEx. Yeah, Derry, you got it. It's right? Okay. FedEx, and he gets, uh, the plane crashes, and he ends up alone on this island. Uh, and he's just there trying, the whole movie is him trying to get rescued, him trying to figure out life and make it. Um, and the interesting thing, all by himself, but you know what one of his major impulses is? is? To not be alone. So he goes and finds some FedEx packages washed up on the shore, and he finds a volleyball, a Wilson brand volleyball. And he decides that Wilson's going to become his friend. <laughs> it's named Wilson. He puts a little handprint on there, makes a little face. And because his, his impulse is to have relationship, Wilson the volleyball becomes his friend. He talks to it. He talks to himself through it, whatever. Uh, healthy? No. Lonely? Maybe not go get a volleyball. There are plenty of people here that we can help you with. But the impulse when he's alone is to have a relationship. Isn't that interesting? In fact, there's grief that comes uh, when some things, unfortunate, unnamed things befall Wilson. TJ, I know you're waiting to watch this movie. I'm not going to spoil it for you, brother. But it's interesting that the impulse 
is for us to be in relationship. We need people. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Uh, in the very opening of the Bible, God did a lot of things, and the Bible says, hey, that was good. Do you know what the first thing that was not good? That we should be alone. We should be alone. We need each other. And so we pray, God, make us one with each other. But it's a very particular kind of oneness. The Holy Spirit brings unity to the church and oneness with each other. Unity with each other and oneness. So let's jump back to this story of that Pentecost Sunday, uh, Pentecost Day in the Bible. So it takes place in Jerusalem, the religious center of uh, the Jewish faith, and people from all over the known world are gathered. There are at least 16 different cultures uh, and groups of people represented there en masse. It's one of those feasts where everybody goes. And so there are tons of people there, and the apostles and disciples are hidden away in the upper room. Because there's some controversy surrounding them. You see, a guy named Jesus was crucified and they said he rose again. So they're kind of hiding out. Tons of people gather. They, they speak different languages. They don't know each other. They come from different places. They eat different food. Hey, let's have lunch together. Okay, but you didn't make your potatoes like mom makes potatoes. And so they're all different. But there's an interesting part when the Spirit of God blows through the place like a mighty rushing wind and something crazy seems to happen because it gets everybody's attention. All eyes are on the Christians that are now filled with the Spirit. And the Bible says that all of these disparate, different people come together and say, well, these people must be drunk. So there's, it's interesting to note As this story progresses, there's actually a form of unity already present in the crowd. All of those different people find common ground. They actually unite against the apostles. They unite against the apostles. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to unite against something? Hey, I don't like something. You don't like something either. All of a sudden, we're best friends. We don't even know anything about each other. You hate that? I hate that too. Hey, let's go get it. To build up a cause or, or somehow to, to be united against something. It's a powerful force and we can see it everywhere. To unite against something. But it's interesting because it's actually unity around a negative. It's not unity around something. It's unity against something. You see it uh, naturally all over the news and politics and different things. And uh, we don't even need to go there because it's maddening sometimes. But Uniting against someone is really easy to do or something. But it's so interesting um, that the Bible and this story notes that as a way along the journey. It's not the final goal of the unity of the people gathered in Jerusalem that day. They're united against something. That comes actually, that's got dark DNA. If, I, you, if you and I unite against something that we don't like or something that we are against, we're actually building our relationship out of some sort of, of, of negative or some sort of darkness or some sort of anger or angst or hurt or etc. You see what happens? And you know what happens to DNA? It replicates. And so our relationship based on if we're only united against something, then that is not really a unity at all. It reminds me kind of like whenever I see a marriage break up with adultery and the partner who has an affair actually ends up marrying the person they had an affair with, I look at that and say, that's got some rough DNA in it. It's probably not going to work well. 
It's uniting against something, something is like that. And just think about this, that whenever uh, we are united against, together against something, say, say, Daniel, you and I are united against something, but the moment you find out that there's something else about me that you're against, well, we already know that we're against things and that unity is no longer shared. And so you see the, uh, the group, they're united. Oh, these people are drunk. Let's get them. But that's not the way that it ends. You see, there's something more powerful that happens. At that point, Peter stands up to preach, and, and he's, this is an act of the Holy Spirit. It's not just Peter with his great literacy and great words. This is the Holy Spirit at work, and he preaches to this crowd. And I don't know if you know this or not, but the, the, the Holy Spirit takes the worst sermons, praise the Lord, and it doesn't just work through the preacher. When there's proclamation going on, the Spirit's at work in you and around you and between you and taking the words and, and making them something that touches your heart. And that's what happens in that crowd. And what happens is all those people that were united against Peter actually decide to become united around Christ. Positive energy. They all they say together, what must we do to be saved? And they are baptized. And I love this description about what happens, the unity that comes when they are united around Christ that wasn't there when they were united against the apostles. It says, awe came upon everyone, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were together. And in fact, the Bible says that they were together at the temple all day long. And then they ate together and broke bread at night. That's a lot of together. Have you ever been with somebody for so long? You're saying, hey, look, I love you, but maybe we ought to go in a separate room. You ever hear that old thing they say about visitors or in-laws? I can't remember which. It could be both. Who knows? Uh, Like fish, they stink after three days. (laughs) It's like, we've had enough togetherness. Let's take some time apart. Jack Dean, we did this yesterday, didn't we? We had spent all this time, like, with my parents came. We were all together, and uh, in the afternoon, we were like, hey, what do you say we all take a little time out? What do you say? And everybody said, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. These folks are together a lot. It takes a special kind of power to help people be together like that. But not only are they together a lot, but they are together and and they're so unified that they can say, you are more important to me than my things are to me. Because the Bible says that they, they shared things in common and whenever somebody had a need, they'd sell something to give it to somebody else. What kind of powerful unity is it when I can say, wow, you are so much more important to me than anything I have. This thing that I've got, if it could help you, it's not even that important to me. I want you to have it. What kind of unity is that? It's powerful. They're unified over the reading of scriptures, the apostles' teaching, uh, the breaking of bread, which likely means eating and communion and prayers. They're gathered around fellowship. The Bible says this, and it's not just that fried chicken fellowship, because you know, uh, we could get together and have fried chicken doesn't mean that we're unified, but that's the Fellowship that says, I'm here and you're here and I see you and you see me and we're together. That's the image. That's a powerful image of what the Spirit of God does. By your Spirit, make us one with each other. And that's exactly what we see happening here. And it's going to take the power of the Spirit to do that for a couple reasons. One, because the world that we live in and the world even that they lived in is not bent towards unity. It's not. It's bent towards division. It's bent towards division. You just take a look at 
any of the things, watch TV for an hour, take a look at the, the phones or whatever windows into the world your screens are, and just note that your primary image is not going to be unity with one another. Sometimes we don't even know how. And when that happens, when we see disunity and division all over our world, do you know what happens? It creeps into us and we feel division in our marriages and with our children and with our friends and our homes because it's all we know to do. By God, we need God's Spirit to show us another, to empower us to have another way. Not only do we need God's Spirit because all we know is division, we need God's Spirit if we're going to be one with each other Because being together is kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Now listen, it's not too hard for some people apparently to say we're all going to be at the same place at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. That's not too hard. It's really hard for some, but it's not too hard. But to be able to let you know me. Not just things about me and what I look like and a couple things that I'm interested in, but to let you know me and to let me know you. Oh, that's hard because we're broken people. We might be redeemed, but we're still broken and on our way. And it's sometimes hard to be together, to let people see our flaws and to let people see where we're broken and where we're not good at something. And It's hard. So we need God's Spirit, the power of God, to bring us to unity. It's not something we can really do by ourselves. When we try to do it by ourselves, the, the best we get is shallow connection shallow connection. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us to, by your spirit, make us one with each other. And we need the power of God to do that. And you might be thinking, well, that's great, preacher. That's fantastic. But we're all here. We're already kind of one. We're one with each other at 11 o'clock. Fantastic. We're all one at hoping you get done within seven minutes. We're all one. What, what What do we need to hear it for? What do we need to regularly pray at the table by your spirit, make us one with each other. Because just because we've become unified doesn't mean we have yet become one. The spirit will bring us together, but the spirit will also bring us towards oneness. And we need that. We need that for one, because Jesus, his uh, prayer, in one of his last prayers in John 17 said, may they be one, talking about the believers, as you and I, speaking of the Father, are one. So that the world may know that we are one. Our unity reflects on God, but we need, we need it for that, but we also need it for us. We need it for us because there's only so far that we can grow by ourselves. There's only so much of life we can do by ourselves. There's only so much faith that we can grow, so much reliance on Christ that we can develop by ourselves. I know, yes, can you be justified and saved all by yourself and never go to church. I mean, if you want to get legal about it, let's have that conversation. But I dare say to you that there is nothing in the witness of Scripture and Christian tradition that says that you are supposed to be all by yourself in Jesus. No, it is always the coming together. In our Methodist Methodist heritage, our founder John Wesley, in, in one of his sermons says, the Scripture knows nothing of solitary religion. Can you commune with God by yourself? Sure. But we are meant to be a part of a community. Did you know that in our Methodist history, one of the hallmark differences about our path uh, compared to the others in the 1700s, 1800s was that the Wesleyan Christians preached 
and then put people together in relationships for spiritual growth. That's the difference. In fact, one famous preacher named George Whitfield commented on it towards the end of his life. How many of you know about George Whitfield? Anybody? There's a couple of you. Have you ever been to uh, Savannah and the Isle of Hope area and um, all that area? Have anybody ever been over there? There's a place called Bethesda Home for Boys right down the street, actually founded by George Whitfield himself. George is a cool place. But George Whitfield was the one who convinced John Wesley, that stiff-starched Anglican preach, to st- priest, to get out of the pulpit and go preach out in the field near the coal mines when people were getting out of work. You can preach in the church, you'll have this many people, but go preach the gospel to them. And so they, John Wesley and George Whitfield were really just amazed with each other. And at the end of his life, George Whitfield looked back at his life and he said, if I were to say one thing, the mistake that I made was my preaching may have bred children for the devil. Listen, but Wesley put them together that they might be children of God. You see, the point was, is that the preaching that Whitfield had was fantastic, but what he felt a longing in his heart that he missed was that he didn't help people grow together. We need each other. Let me give you an example of why we need each other uh, and why I, need, why I need you and you need me. We all need each other. For example, I preached this sermon in the early service. I got to this building at 8.30 in the morning and I preached this service. I sat in Sunday school with some wonderful folks and my wife actually came to the door and knocked and called me out. And we were having this conversation and she said, for the, this is the first time I heard this this day, this is about 10.30, first time I heard it, she said, Jim, you've got some in your teeth. Nobody said, I need it. Y'all would have just sat there the whole time and been like, what's that going on the preacher's teeth? I have no idea. See, we need each other. I need somebody to tell me there's something in my teeth, but I need more than that. I need, I need, I need somebody to comfort me when I am broken. I need somebody to challenge me when I am complacent. I need somebody to prove to me that yes, it is true that God is with me. Did you know that when we are with each other, one of the powerful things that it can be is that I know that God is with me because you are next to me in Christ's name. God is near and nearer to me than we are to each other. And I need your physical proximity in my life to remind me of that. I need you to prove to me that it is true that yes, I can be forgiven. How many of you just are sure that if you ever did something wrong, you could just believe you're forgiven all by yourself? That's hard. But when we look each other in the eye and say, I did this, and you say, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, you know what? I, I see that in your eyes. I see it in your soul. We feel it in the presence of one another. It helps me to believe what is true about the gospel. I need you to knock off my rough edges. You need me to do that. We need each other to do this. We need each other to to challenge and to grow. We cannot do this by ourselves. Wilson is not enough. We can only get this far by ourselves. By your spirit, God, make us one with each other that we might grow and grow and grow in our faith. When you get to know me and I get to know you. Don't you believe that God uses that to help us believe that you are really known? Deep down in the places that you hide that you are really known. Is that not a powerful thing? That's powerful. That you can for another person say, I see you. I see you. I see you. And I love you because God loves you. 
Isn't that a powerful thing? Where you can say, uh, where David can walk up to me and say, Jim, you need to get off your butt for a while. Don't we need that? By your Spirit, make us one with each other. We pray it regularly because we need to continue to become because the Spirit unifies us, but the Spirit brings us oneness so that through our oneness, we may truly become one with Christ. And here's what I want to tell you. That maybe you've been to church for a handful of years. Praise the Lord. You're going to get some good Jesus out of that. But maybe if you haven't taken the step to allow yourself to be in a good Christian relationship, friendship, group, if you don't have Christian people around you and you're not taking that step to live with other Christians in faith, then I'm, I'm not mad at you. I mean, it's just the next step. What I'm telling you is you're missing out. You're missing out on 90% of all that God has for you. If, 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 if you're coming to church at 9 or 11, fantastic. If you come on Wednesdays, great. But if you haven't found a relationship, a friendship, a a small group, Sunday school, if you haven't found it yet, you're missing out and there's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. And we want to give it to you because God has blessed us with a love for you. God has blessed us with a love for each other. We want to be together, not just because it's fun, but it is, but because we want everybody to know how much God loves them. And we, we want to give that to you too. There are people in here that right now God is placing on their heart to talk to you, that you to talk to them. We gather in Sunday mornings, in Sunday school, we gather there, there are reunion groups and prayer groups, and we just want to connect you so that you can have the fullness of what God has for you. And that's what we mean when we say, by your spirit, make us one with each other, that we might grow. Final thought, I'll close on this. Last verse of this chapter. It says, and day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Because I think there is something extremely attractive about people who know how to be together. I think for just two reasons. That in a world of division, the unity of God's people, who are vulnerable enough to be known and to trust one another, into the hands of God is an antidote for the divisive culture of our day. People don't know what that looks like. But by goodness, when they see you and they see you and they see us and they see us together, they can say, oh, this world can be something else. I want that. And so the day by day, their numbers grew, those who were being saved. And it also says this. It says, in a world that is so lonely, people can know each other. There's a place where I can be known. And thereby, people are attracted to the unity of God's people. I know, and I won't go into the story now because you're already ready for dinner, supper, and not even lunch. I am a Christian because the unity of the believers offered to me a companionship and a unity that I could find nowhere else. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Look at the opportunity we have. And so we pray together by your spirit make us one with christ and make us one with each other will you pray with me father around the room today there is somebody who yearns to be known they might be seen they might have a lot of friends but they there's something in them that they yearn to connect with somebody use this time today 
to help them to be seen by somebody and connect with somebody. There's somebody here today that needs an encouraging word, and I believe there's somebody here who needs a challenging word. Provide for us today, O oh God. Prick our hearts if we might be that one that we could connect with somebody to help them grow in unity with us in the church. Now, Father, we thank you and bless you for the ways in which you have worked by your Spirit. Continue, please, to help us to grow to be one with each other in unity and in oneness for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In a moment, in worship, and it's also time to respond. Maybe you have heard of God moving in your life today, and you want to become a Christian. You want to be a part of this, this family of faith.